This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. I don't remember how old I was. Just that I was small enough to fit in the front baby seat of a grocery cart. That had put us in the late, very late 90s, early 2000s. I was grocery shopping with my mom at a Costco. For those who don't know the chain, it's basically a huge warehouse where everything is sold in bulk. Food, clothes, books. It's basically a Walmart. But if Walmart sold cereal boxes in counts of threes or frozen dinners by the dozen. My mom has a habit of pulling her grocery cart down to one side of the aisle in stores and then walking the length of the shelves, picking what she wants and then coming back to the cart and dumping what she has in the basket. I don't get why she does this, but hey, moms do weird things. So I'm maybe four or five, sitting in the front basket, playing with my Game Boy Color. When she pulls over next to a fruit display in Costco, and tells me she's going to look at the different deals and to sit tight. I wasn't a very fidgety kid, so I said no problem. She's gone for a couple of minutes. I'm absorbed in Pokemon, so I don't really notice her walk up until the cart starts moving. Being a kid, I instinctively trust she's the one pushing the cart. I was wrong. After a moment or two, I catch out of the corner of my vision, her red nails. This is a problem, because my mom never paints her nails, and never, ever wears them long. I look up. The lady pushing the cart is a little older than my mother. Same curly black hair, but pulled into a ponytail at the nape of her neck. I still remember she had tanned, Italian-type skin with thick red lips, a heavy coat of eyeliner, and brown eyes. She was pretty skinny. Her teeth were yellowed, and she smelled like what I didn't realize until later. Bad body odor. This wasn't my mom, and I said so very loudly. She laughed and looked around and pushed the cart a little faster. I said it again, and she looked me dead in the eyes and said, and I'm paraphrasing here because I don't remember the exact wording, Oh sweetie, what game are you playing? I am your mom. So the way Costco is set up, at least ours, is that in a produce area, instead of aisles, they're more like islands. There are large square setups that you can see the entire length of the produce section if you walk in that area. So of course, I can see my actual mother a few displays away. As loud as I could, I remember yelling, Mom! And watching her head whip around to look at me, right as this lady is trying to cover my mouth with her hand. 
I don't know if she decided then that it wasn't worth it because I was so noisy, or if by looking at my mother charging from a few displays over. But anyways, this woman squeezed her hand around my little face once and then booked it. My mom comes running up to me and starts asking me a million questions at once, and my little brain thinks that I'm in trouble for using my outdoor voice inside, because she looks mad, so I start to cry. By the time she calmed me down, the lady was already gone, and reporting her to the head of security did absolutely nothing. The store never found her inside, and security cam footage showed her leaving, but never with anyone else. I don't know why she picked me, or what it would have been for, but I'm just glad that my real mom ended up scaring her away, and that nothing became of it. So to the lady who tried to kidnap me from the Costco produce section, claiming to be my mother, let's not meet again. I live in New Jersey, the state known for its haunted roads. Crack open a copy of Weird NJ and you'll see what I mean. Clinton Road, a body dump site for the mafia and home of a little ghost boy. Shades of Death Road, where a woman buried her husband's head and body on the opposite sides of the road. But have you ever heard of Victoria's Road? It's in Warren County where the Jersey suburbs fades out into mountains and trees. It's easy to miss, just a narrow gap in the thick forest that you'll drive right by if you aren't careful. But if you find it, you'll see, walking along the side of the road, a woman in a purple dress. You can ask her one question, any question. She will tell you the answer. I went with my best friend Mira, late one summer night. We were parked on the side of the road, overlooking the valley below, to review the rules. Mira handed me the piece of paper, now damp and crumpled. It was in my pocket all day. Sorry, she said, through smacks of gum. I rolled my eyes and began to read. Number one, you must be the only car on the road. For this reason, go late at night or early in the morning. Check. It was 12.45 a.m. Number two. Your radio must be tuned to 102.2, the entirety of the drive. Turn off all other devices, including your cell phones. I don't think it's even possible to get that station, I said as I turned off my phone. But when Mira gave the dial a spin, it easily landed on 102.2 as static filled the car. Number three, don't stop your car for any reason other than Victoria. No matter what you see or hear, do not stop. Weird, I said to Mira. She shrugged. Number four, do not under any circumstances, attempt to make a U-turn or go back the way you came. Easy enough, I said. I turned back into the road 
and roll down the window. Yellow fireflies dance between the trees. The sounds of crickets filled the air. The breeze was warm and humid. Are you sure it's this way? I asked. The road tilted up, climbing the mountain. In a few minutes, we'd be at the top. Positive, Mare said. It's just around the bend there. She was right. Within minutes, a tilted signpost came into view. Faded and cracked, wrapped with vines and foliage. Victoria's Road. I turned on the blinker, despite the road being completely empty, and swung left. The road was dark. The headlights barely punctured the thick shadows. It was as if we were submerged in murky water. Mira, however, didn't seem scared at all. She practically vibrated with excitement. So, if this thing works, which it probably won't, I know, what are you going to ask her? Uh, I don't know. Maybe what college will accept me. That was a lie. I knew exactly what I wanted to ask her. Is dad ever coming back? After he met Linda three years ago, it's all been missed calls, one word text, empty promises. So, uh, what do you want to ask her? If Sarah McCarthy likes me, duh. Her? What's wrong with her? Isn't she super Christian? Like Bibles and cross necklaces all the time? Are you sure she's even... Mira stared at me blankly. Christians can be gay too, Hannah. I suddenly felt dumb. Well, uh, I just assumed. My foot hit the brake. We jolted to a stop. A deer suddenly went across the road. It stopped in the center and turned towards us. Its eyes glowing in the headlights. Oh my gosh, that scared the bejesus out of me, Mira said. My heart pounded in my chest. But then she grew annoyed. Wait, wait, we're not supposed to stop, remember? Rule number three, we're going to screw it up. What do you want me to do, plow into the deer? We have to wait for it to cross. Fine. But as we sat there, the deer didn't move. It just stood there in the headlights watching us. Get out of the way, come on. Finally, as if my thoughts willed it, it took a step. But not towards the woods. A step forward towards our car. What's it doing? Mira asked. It walked closer its fur scratching against the hood of the car, until it was just a few feet from my window. It stared at me with those black glinting eyes. Then it reared its head and rammed against the car. Thump! What the hell? I screamed. The car jolted forward and we sped down the dark road. What a crazy ass deer! Must be rabbit or something. Mira shook her head. Is the car okay? Did it leave a dent? I don't have any idea, but if it did, my mom's going to kill me. We drove for the next few minutes in silence, save for the crackles of static from the radio. 
The road continued through the forest, growing even darker and narrower. I don't like this at all. Maybe we should turn around. Suddenly, the static on the radio stopped. But when I looked at the glowing console, it no longer said FM radio. It said Bluetooth audio, like it usually does when my phone is connected. Hannah? A man's voice came through the speakers, cut with static. Hannah, hey, you there? I gulped. Dad, is that you? Yeah. (laughs) He laughed his cheerful, warm laugh. Sorry to call you so late, but I happen to be driving through Blairstown right now, and I had a work thing in Philly. Do you want to meet up? Now? I said. Yeah, where are you? We can meet at the 24-hour diner. I'm with Mira. Uh, we're, we're on just a little adventure. Oh, sounds fun. <laughs> well, do you want to meet up? I'll be there in about 15 minutes. I glanced at Mira. Yeah, okay. Click. I'm so sorry, Mira. We'll have to do this some other time. I began turning the wheel to swing left. I haven't seen my dad in six months and we've been trying to reach each other. Mira thrust her hand into my pocket. Hey, what are you... She pulled out my phone. You turned your phone off, remember? It was in the rules. Her voice began to tremble. There's no way that that could have been your dad, Hannah. But I do not at any point attempt to turn around. Rule number four, remember? I stared out the window, at the disjointed shadows, at the road that disappeared into the black. And then I continued forward. Tears burnt at my eyes, hearing his voice again. I shook my head, forcing the thought out of my head. The static faded back in. The road began to dip down, as if we were finally descending the mountain. Wayward branches scraped at the car. I slowly rolled down the window, but the summer air was silent, devoid of crickets, wind, rustling. And then Mira screamed, Watch out! A blur of white darted out of the forest in front of the car. I hit the brakes, but it was too late. What was that? Mira asked, her voice trembling. Another deer, maybe. But I knew it wasn't. My entire body felt numb, frozen, paralyzed. I didn't want to know what was under the car, what had just happened. I wanted to turn around, speed as fast as I could away from this place. But I forced myself to open the door, took a shaking step into the cold asphalt. The headlights shone into the darkness. Motes of dust and debris swirling in the light. The surrounding forest was silent. My heart thumbed in my chest. I stared at the ground as I paced towards the front of the car, waiting for something terrible to come into view. Nothing here so far. Maybe I'm okay. I took another step. Still nothing. I took another, rounding the corner. No, 
I crumpled to my knees. White cloth, wrinkled, crushed, stained deep red, patches of pale skin poking out, a tangle of red hair. I shot to my feet. As soon as Mira's eyes met mine, she understood. Oh my god, Hannah. I broke into choking sobs. I didn't mean to. I didn't even see her. It's my fault. I can't believe. My sentence ended in a strangled yelp. Something grabbed my ankle. Hard. It violently tugged. I fell to the ground, screaming. The tar scraped against my chest. The metal bumper hit my head with a sickening thump. It was pulling me under the car. And then darkness. Darkness. Save for the few inches of light between the dark metal of the car and the pavement. Help! I screamed. My voice was muffled, muted, under the car. I thrashed and squirmed, but the grip held tight. And then Mira's face appeared. She grabbed my hand and pulled. Hannah, hold on! She screamed. Within a few seconds, I was out, panting in the darkness. Hannah, are you okay? She kept asking. But all I could hear was a ringing in my ears. We looked up. The red-haired woman was no longer under the car. And the car was rolling forward. Run! The car roared towards us. The mirror glanced off my shoulder. I flew into the forest, branches and trees scraping across my chest. When I finally got back up, the car was already turning around, coming back to finish us off. How do we get out of here? I screamed, nearly out of breath. I have no idea, Mira yelled back, several feet from me in the darkness. The headlights flashed across the trunks. Snap, snap, snap. The car was half off the road, threatening to follow us into the forest. Help! Mira screamed. Someone, please! A voice over the roar of the engine, the sounds of our breaths, replied, Yes? We both looked up. There, in the shadows of the trees, was a woman wearing a purple dress. You may ask her one question, one question only, and she has to answer it. I no longer wanted to ask about my dad. All of that was gone from my mind. I took a deep breath and shouted, How do we get out of here? She smiled, suddenly just a few feet from us. That's always the question, isn't it? She pointed into the darkness of the woods. Run that way until you find the stream. Turn right. In ten minutes, you'll find yourselves on a residential street. We didn't need to be told twice. We ran through the darkness, the roar of the car fading into the distance. We didn't stop until we got to the stream. Then we turned, like she instructed, until we knocked on the nearest house. The police never found my car.
They just tossed our file in with the rest of the strange occurrences on Victoria's Road. So yes, the legend of Victoria's Road is true. Every person who drives down it gets one question answered. But the question they choose to ask is always the same. How do I get out of here? But that doesn't mean our other questions went unanswered. The experience forced us to ask questions ourselves to the people who could answer them. In the wake of such terror, asking out the girl you like or calling up your estranged dad just doesn't seem that scary anymore. We got our answers. Will you? Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. I had gotten used to checking Craigslist before buying anything new, so when my ice cream maker died, I headed there. I found the one I wanted, new inbox, and emailed to see if it was still available. For some reason, I assumed I was talking to a woman, and we made plans to meet up. I had gotten sort of careless about always wanting to meet in public, and had agreed to come to her home believing she had several small kids that made it difficult to leave home. I was supposed to go after work, and we switched to text messages so they could text the address, and so I could also let them know when I was on the way. I got home, and they texted me the address. My normal routine at this point would have been to hop in the car and to use the TomTom to find it. But since I had booted up my PC while waiting... I decided to just use Google Maps. I typed in the address and it showed that a registered sex offender, violent sex offender, and child sex offender lived there. I googled the phone number and the same person came up. I let them know that I was not coming, went to Walmart, and spent $5 more to buy it there. So Mr. Sex Offender, who tried to lure me with ice cream, Let's not meet. Often mentioned to be one of the most dangerous jobs in America, being a delivery driver definitely has its pros and cons. Aside from the horror stories you hear of drivers being called to abandoned houses with malicious intent, being stabbed or even shot, I had no doubt in my mind that I wanted to try out being a delivery driver. My reasoning was led by the fact that it would be decent money for a college student and I would get to do what I genuinely enjoyed doing, driving around, blasting music, satisfying my nicotine addiction while on the clock, and getting to explore new roads and various landscapes. I didn't think much about the dangers, but I must have subconsciously realized that the area I was going to be delivering in 
was mostly a wealthier business district with little crime. My sophomore year of college was over, and after leaving my previous job to focus on my heavy course load, it was time to take advantage of the summer. I was hired at the first and only place I applied to for delivery. This was about a 30 minute commute from my house, and I would be delivering in a town and city that I previously had no familiarity with. Besides the nervousness of trying to impress at the start of my new job, I was excited to get started and get in my car. I must note that I was never warned of anything or told any alarming stories by any of the management or other delivery drivers. That's because there were none until I landed the delivery shift six months later that would traumatize me and force changes in policies of this company. So, it was a normal night per usual and I was on a delivery to the neighboring city only about 15 minutes out. There was a confusing numbering system on the small apartment complexes that accompanied the left side of the road. I had believed that my GPS took me to the right lot, but when I pulled in, I could not seem to find the apartment number that was listed. A nice guy was walking his cute little dog, so I politely asked if this was 22 whatever street, and he responded talkatively. He said no sadly, and that he realizes how confusing these streets can get. Before I get a chance to ask if he knows what direction to send me in, he quickly asks me an assortment of questions, none of which made me uncomfortable. He saw I was delivering food, and asked what it was. I had not put the light on the top of the car, so it made sense that he was curious. Not a crazy amount of places deliver around there. He then got oddly excited, asking if I had a menu, what time we deliver until, and if I was the only one delivering on this Sunday night. After quickly answering kindly and interrupting, I asked if he could point me to the way because I was in a rush to get back. He said he isn't too sure, but insists to walk his dog up to the road while I drive out so he could help me figure it out. After a minute or two of navigating, he said where to try next. I thanked him, smiled, and told him to feel free to call for a delivery and I'll be back out with the food in no time. I said this because he was starving, asked for a menu, and seemed so excited about the fact that we delivered. As the night came close to an end, I was hoping that I didn't get any more delivery calls after 9.15. Delivery shut down at 9.30, but if a call was placed anywhere before that, I would be stuck driving and not get out till at least 10. What do you know? An order was placed at 9.20, and I would leave with it at 9.40. At this point, I'm on autopilot and just following my GPS, not paying attention to where I might be going. As I recognized a similar street which I had only been on for the first time today, and hear my GPS say to turn left in two miles, I realize it has to be that guy that helped me out earlier. I pull in, park, approach the door, and knock.
I hear faint music that seems to have gotten louder after my knock, so I ring the doorbell. I'm greeted by the friendly man, both of us smiling at each other. I guess you decided cooking wasn't for you tonight, I say lightheartedly in a humorous manner. He then said something along the lines of, Cooking isn't something I would waste my time on. Plus, I believe raw food is the most authentic way to feast. I laughed thinking to myself that this guy is definitely an odd one. He insists that I step in and put the bags down in his kitchen. Most of the time, I don't go into the customers' homes, but it wasn't so uncommon. I comply and step in, and he says to take off my shoes. Now this made me uncomfortable. Never have I been told to come in someone's house on my delivery job and then told to take off my shoes. This is an in and out job. I was not here to sit down and kick up my feet. I figure this guy just has some issues or OCD. So as I slip my shoes off, my eyes fix on this strange runner slash small carpet next to a shoe rack that was made of what seemed to be black feathers. Simultaneously, I am listening to the song he has playing, which gave me a sense of extreme discomfort and anxiety. It was scarily familiar. I almost felt as if I was experiencing the feeling of deja vu. I now realize it was a song I remembered from when I played Fallout 3, which was a song on Galaxy News Radio called A Wonderful Guy. If you have played this game and remember the song, you should be able to confirm how strange it is. I follow him to his counter and place the bags down next to what looked like a stuffed crow nativity scene. He sees me examining it and says, Did you know when a crow dies, a mob of a hundred live ones will gather in ceremony? It's their way to learn about threats and they hesitate to revisit locations where they have encountered a dead crow. I pulled out the payment slip for him to sign and shook off his previous statements, saying, Interesting. As he signs, he continues the subject and says something about how he thinks we can learn a lot of lessons from the behaviors of crows. I thanked him for signing, and as I moved to walk out, I told him I'll have to look into it, hoping to shut him up about his obsession with crows. As I'm putting my shoes back on, he says, One last thing. If I said someone was killed here, would you be hesitant to come back? If I said I was responsible, would you revisit this location? I panicked, sped out, and fled to work with thoughts rushing through my head. A couple of sleepless nights after that, and five months later, the running continues to haunt me. Looking back, it seems as if he saw something about me that made him want to know if I was the only delivery driver working. After telling him our close time for delivery, it seemed like he purposely planned to wait till the latest time, ensuring he would be my last delivery. I really still think about what this man is up to 
every time I work.